Why don't you turn again to our scripture that we've looked at in previous times, uh, the 91st Psalm, Psalm 91. And there are a lot of things that we could talk about. Of course, healing is such a big subject, faith and healing, my, my. How many different ways you could go with that. But I just felt impressed to talk about longevity. And so I didn't feel like we quite got through with that, so I think we'll just stay on that a while. Amen. Would you believe God with me for, for utterance? So uh, uh, we believe, according to the Scripture, that it is God's will for us to live a long, full, fruitful life. The Scripture says our text that we've looked at previously in Psalm 91, Psalm 91, verse 14, let's begin. It says, because he has set his love on me, this is the Lord talking, therefore will I deliver him. How many of the Lord tells you he will deliver you, you can count on it. You can count on it. I will set him on high because he's known my name. Well, that's not in the gutter. That's up on high. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise God. Read that 16th verse out loud with me if you would. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's say it one more time. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's say it like this. With long life he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Let's say that. With long life... He will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Amen. I know some friends of mine years ago, it was kind of humorous the way they did it, but it's, it's a good principle too. I, I was riding along with them, and just out of the blue, they said, with long life, he'll satisfy me. And I, I thought, well, y'all praise God. Just kind of out of the blue, you know. I mean, <laughs> we weren't talking about any of that. Then after a while, you know, something else came up. They said it again. With long life, he'll satisfy me. And I thought, well, praise God, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know why they said it then. Then uh, we we were passing by a cemetery. And they said it again. With long life. <laughs> he'll say, and I realized that every time they saw anything that m- reminded them of death, they said it. We had we had passed by a funeral home previously and they said it. We had passed by a cemetery and they said it. Anything that reminded them of death, they reminded themselves. We know if the Lord tells is coming, we're not going to live down here forever. We're not saying we're not going to die. And besides that, you wouldn't want to stay down here forever. Let's do our tour of duty and go home. Amen. But... Life is short even with long life. It's brief. Like the scripture said, it's a vapor. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. I mean, if you live to be 200 years, that's nothing in the scheme of time and eternity. It's a breath. It's a vapor. 
So the, the challenge and the problem is that you have many Christians that are dying prematurely. They're dying and uh, thank God they're saved. Thank God they're going home to be with the Lord. But they're doing it far too young and far too early. Many, many Christians dying in their 50s and in their 60s and in their 70s. And we've talked about long life. How long is long? And in our last session, we went through the scriptures and talked about that back in Genesis 6-3, God set, probably you could say the approximate maximum that a person could believe for at 120. Sometimes people find that to be hard to believe, but like I gave you several examples, people, uh, there are some people that are living to that age right now today. There are people living that long. So if one person could live that long, what do we know? Somebody else could live that long. So somewhere around 120 would be the approximate maximum that we could uh, believe for. And I think, you know, by that time you'd be ready to go anyway. But uh, do you understand, though, that that is much higher than many have thought, right? I mean, you got people talking about how old they are when they get to be 60 and 65. Well, I'm going to retire now. I'm old. 60 is halfway. Halfway. To 120. Right? That's just a whole other mentality. We should not be thinking old at 50 years of age. Should we? And yet you see a lot of people, they turn 40 and they go, well, we hit the big 4-0 now. And it's just basically downhill from there. Foolishness. I said foolishness. Ignorance. And a lot of the problems that people, you know, doctors are finding this out more and more. You know, when you're, you know, 70 years old, you know, it's not going to be like you were when you're 20, obviously. But at the same time, more and more researchers are finding that so many problems that are associated with old age are from lack of use. It's from too sedentary of a lifestyle. You know, just sit around all the time and do nothing. I read this article. About they had this senior's home where they're doing some of this research and a lot of people that had, were dependent on walkers and were very, very feeble and they wanted to do some experimentation with them in this project and they got them all on some uh, resistance training. Very, very minimal of course. I mean, you know, uh, half pound weights and stuff like this. And within a few months, a lot of them didn't need their walkers anymore. A lot of them didn't need their canes anymore. And it wasn't that they were feeble through disease, a lot of them, but just feeble through lack of exercise, lack of use. There really is a truth to the phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so, you know, you see other people that are active and outgoing. I mean, have anybody seen this guy that does all this barefoot water skiing? I forget how old he is, but I mean, he just, uh, he's, he just rips, man, and he, he's not slowing down. And other people, I mean, uh, uh, Brother Hagen was talking about this uh, lady he saw on TV that, uh, I forget how old she was, but she took up karate. And she said, <laughs> they asked her why. And she said, well, she was getting that nursing home shuffle. <laughs> Everybody know what that is? That's when you don't pick up your feet, you just slide, you know. <laughs> but see, you, you do that very long, you're going to lose strength in your leg because you're not even using your foot to pick, leg to pick your foot up. So here, man, she is. She joins a karate class. She's breaking boards. I think once she's about 80 years old or something. Or 93. 
93. And man, she, she breaking boards. Whew. Well, we, uh, we get, we read you this, uh, article about this 114 year old woman that this guy broke into her house and she attacked him. You remember that? <laughs> Boy, did he get a surprise. <laughs> She's a little, little thing, you know, just barely five feet, and I think she weighed less than 110, 15 pounds or so. And I mean, she just tackled him. She brought him down. Brought him down. <laughs> but uh, so what we're saying is so much of the all the trappings and paraphernalia that go with old age is a mindset. If you're old, you know, the, the proverb said, as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. If you see yourself old, if you talk old, if you act old, I don't care if you're 38, you'll be old. Right? And certainly, you know, the outward man is decaying. Age does have an effect on us. We, we know that. We acknowledge that. But at the same time, many people are operating far short of their capabilities. How many understand we can learn the rest of our life? We can grow the rest of our life. We can develop new skills the rest of our life. You, you never, people say, well, you can't, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, thank God we're not old dogs. We're new creatures. I said we're new creatures. And the inner man is being renewed day by day. Yeah, the body might be a little bit slower, but we ought to even get sharper. Amen. And, and more knowledgeable and wiser. So inside, we're developing. And so we really could look forward to uh, our latter years. Look forward to growing old. Because in many ways, things should be getting better. I said in many ways, things should be getting better. Certainly we should know more about God. Certainly our faith should be stronger. We should be, uh, it should be easier for us to be led by the Spirit. The things of God should be more distinct to us and more plain to us. I mean, that's the most valuable things of all. So how many are making up your mind that you're not going to let the devil rob from you of life that you should have? If the Lord tears is coming, just make up your mind right now. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay, and I'm going to run my whole race. I'm going to finish my entire course, and I'm not going to let the devil rob not even a day from me. Not even a day, much less a year or a decade. Because he's just not big enough. He's not big enough. He tries to scare you all the time, tell you he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. If he could kill you, he'd have already killed you a long time ago. He's been trying. And the Lord has protected you and His angels have protected you. And if we'll keep obeying God, we'll stay in the protection. And it's none of the devil's business when we go or how we go. We ought to go like the Apostle Paul was saying. And I'm in a straight betwixt too, you know. He obviously knew that he had a big say-so in the matter. And when he, he, he was going to go only when he and the Lord were good and ready for him to go. And he decided to go on. You know, this passage says, with long life will I satisfy, satisfy him. This is one of the key things that we should note. Uh, it would help us to know when we come to the, the end of our race. Paul also talked about over in Timothy, you know, that he had, uh, he had finished his course. He'd run his race. He had that sense. He knew that the time of his offering and departure was at hand. He knew he was at the door. He knew it was time. You know, Peter talked about that. 
He, that he, in his epistles, he talked about he was time for him to go like the Lord Jesus had told him he would go. And he knew he was up at that point. And one way that you know that is by the sense of satisfaction. The scriptures talk about, uh, you know, with Abraham, talks about with David, talks about with different of the patriarchs and, the, uh, and those of old, that they died aged and satisfied, full of years, full. And this word satisfy, I mean, it's the same word that means full, like when you've had a good meal. You're satisfied. When you're satisfied with a good meal, you don't want any more. You're satisfied. And when you've done everything that the Lord wants you to do, and you've finished all your race and your course, you'll have that satisfaction. You'll know I'm done. I'm full. I'm satiated. I'm satisfied with life. I'm satisfied with doing Then and only then is it the season and the right time to go on. Check yourself today. Are you satisfied with life? Are you done? I know I'm not. Right? I mean, you, you, you can check, you can see that almost instantaneously. Just, just check yourself. Am I, do I feel like I've done everything that I need to do? Have I done everything the Lord's called me to do? Have I done the whole thing? Am I satisfied? Well, no. If you don't know whether you are or you're not, then that's a good sign you're not. Because when you are, you'll know it. I said when you are, you'll know it. You'll have that satisfaction, that fullness, that sense. Well, without belaboring that, I, you know, as I've said before, this has been kind of an interest of mine from even back from years back, uh, when we first began in healing school. Just the study of the topic of longevity. And that's why I collect some of these clippings and things like I shared a few of them with you. It just interests me. And uh, one thing that I was interested in is seeing similar characteristics. You know, because things don't happen for no reason. The reason why some of these people made it to 110, 115, 120, 120+, it's not just coincidence. People try to act like, well, it's just chance, it's just luck, it just happened. No, no. There were some principles that they were involved with, either knowingly or ignorantly, that caused these things to work for. And uh, the Word gives us principles. And so I wanted to mention a few of those principles uh, from the Word to you. I don't know if we get through with all of them today or not, but we'll just see. But uh, keys to longevity, Bible principles, things we can see to it that we're doing and continue to do that we know that will cause the result of us having long life and enjoying a long life. The first one that we'll mention is what we've already been talking to you about. It simply is a knowledge of God's will in this area. If you don't know that God wants you to live long, then you're, in a, you're handicapped. And if something attacks you at age, you know, midlife, and you don't know for a fact, see a lot of people when things happen, go wrong in their life, then they're, they're wondering, well, maybe it's my time. And they're 32 years old. Well, maybe it's time for me to go. And if they believe that lie, then it's their easy prey for the enemy. So the first thing is just knowing God's will in this area, knowing that we have a right to live a long, full life, believing it, and uh, knowing that death is an enemy. We don't have to just lay down to death. Death is an enemy. If the Lord tarries is coming long enough, we know we'll die one time. That's what the Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die. You might say, well, that's unnecessary to say. No, there is the second death. 
Thank God that will not touch us. I said that will not touch us. You know, if the Lord tarries is coming long enough, we'll die at one time. And even then, we ought to face it like a child of God. Amen? Not, not fear and trembling. I mean, we ought to look death right in the eye. And, uh, you know, and I know this sounds graphic, but just almost spit in death's eye. Yeah, I'm having to die. But just look at, look it in the face and go, I ain't afraid of you. I ain't afraid of you. And then quote the scripture, death, where's your power? Where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? You don't have it. Yeah, they, they, they cover this body with dirt today, but that's not the end. That's not the end. The trumpet's gonna sound. Hallelujah. The trump, so how many know what I'm talking about you? Die with an attitude. <laughs> an attitude of victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving up the ghost. Yeah, I've run my race. I've finished. Even then, you understand, even when you've run your full course and your life is full, still, death, it's an enemy. Everything about you wants to live. God didn't make us to die. He made us to live. Death is an enemy, 1 Corinthians says. It's the last enemy that will be put underfoot. One of these days soon, there will be no more funerals, no more hearses, no more cemeteries, no more hospitals, no more death, no more dying, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more. If we make it through this, we got it. This is as rough as it gets. And we're making it pretty good, amen, I mean, by the grace of God. And this is as bad as it will get for us. Because after this, all that's underfoot. Death, the last enemy, underfoot. So we, uh, we, we don't go until we, we need to and it's right and we're full. And you know, you stay long enough, you might not even have to die anyway. Right? The Lord might come beforehand. And you get to experience that. Which is another reason to just live on a little longer. Amen? Be real neat to be in that generation. You know something, I, this is just me, me wondering about these things, but you know, we, we talk so many times about I'll get a new body. We're going to get a new body. And that's true. But also there's another truth to it. It's actually this body glorified. Right? So we, this body that you and I have right now has been bought and paid for. This body is part of the eternal plan of God. It'd make you respect your body and value it more. A lot of people talk, well, this old body, you know, I'll be glad when I get rid of it and get it. No, no. Now, some people don't even like that when you say it's going to be this body because they think, I'm tired of this body. I don't want this body anymore. Listen, you'll be perfectly pleased with it in its glorified state. But it's going to be, and a lot of people would be happier with this one right now if they'd just take better care of it. But uh, this body is part of God's eternal plan. This body is part of the body of Christ. This physical body. Did you know that 1 Corinthians six fifteen talks about no, that, that our bodies, B-O-D-I-E-S, bodies are the members of Christ. This body is. And thank God... You know, it's going to be glorified and we're going to have a body that can keep up with our spirit then. But I've wondered about this. You know, there are Christians that have died decades ago, centuries ago, millennia ago. And some of them died out at sea. And the sharks got them. 
Where's their body at? They're Christians that died out in the desert. And their bones were dried and, and turned to dust. And the four winds blowed them to the four corners. Where is their body at? We know that when the Lord returns, that body is going to be resurrected. That one that was here. And it would be amazing and interesting to be here alive when the trumpet sounds. Because the, the atoms and the molecules of that body are still in the earth. They may be scattered across to the four corners. But when the trumpet sounds, it's going to come back together. And the glory of God's going to hit it. Woo! And the spirit of the person is going to re-enter it. And you and I are going to be going, wow! And about that time, the power is going to hit us. And we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible body will become incorruptible. Oh, glory to God. Man, if I don't make you shout, your shouter's broke. Something's wrong. <laughs> we need to think about these things. The Bible talks about that when we see Him, we'll be like He is. And He that has this hope in Him purifies Him. So, I mean, this will help us live good, help us live right. Think about these things. Focus on these things. Thank God. Thank God. Glorified bodies. You know, I had a fellow try to tell me this one time in healing school. He said, well, he said, I believe in healing. You know, you can tell a lot about the tone of a person when they're talking. I believe in healing, but I believe that God in His sovereignty heals a few now. Some He heals in death. And then we'll all be healed in the, the millennium. I never knew anybody that death healed. Did you? I mean, anybody I ever saw that died, they were dead. Not healed. Dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> death does not heal you. See, the people try to, you know, in their human reasoning, they try to, you know, explain things and, well, try to make death a kind of a friend. Death ain't your friend. Death is your enemy. Right? I don't, I don't like death. I despise death. It aggravates me when my flowers die. <laughs> it aggravates me when plants die, when animals die. I don't like death. Death is not of God. God's not a God of death. How many know there's no death in heaven? None. There's no decay up there. You're not going to come around the corner on the golden street and go, whew, what, what is that? <laughs> Shoo, something died up here. No! There's not going to be any dead animals on the street in heaven. No dead flowers, no dead trees, no dead anything. Because death will be no more. But they were healed in death. No, I don't think so. I think they died in death. And now they're dead. The body is dead. Not healed, dead. Now it rots. There's no healing in that. There's no life in that. It's death and corruption. And then this other thing. Well, we're healed in the millennia. Healing, many will be healed in the millennium. Well, if we believe that we're going to be changed in a moment of a twinkling of, in the twinkling of an eye, this mortal is going to put on what? 
immortality. What is corruptible is going to become incorruptible. If you're immortal and your body is immortal, incorruptible, can't be corrupted, you can't be sick. So you don't need healing. Right? And so a real thought along this line, if you're going to enjoy healing, you better get it now. Because later on, you're not going to need it. Right? I mean, you better use it now. Because later on, we're not going to need it. So take advantage of healing. Take advantage. Anytime you need a quickening, anytime you need a strengthening, it's available. It's the first fruits of our inheritance. What it is, it's a little portion of this resurrection power we're going to experience later on. It's the first fruits. It's the earnest of our physical inheritance. Is the quickening of this mortal body, like Romans 8 says, right here and now. Later on, we're going to get the whole thing. I mean, it's going to be so much quickening power until it's going to surge through us. And when it gets through, every atom, every molecule is going to be changed. It's not going to be corruptible or mortal anymore. And you are going to look some kind of good. <laughs> and you are going to feel some kind of wonderful. And it's not going to be just for a day or two. It's going to be from then on that you're going to look that good and feel that good. Glory to God. That makes me happy. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me happy. Like Brother Hagin says, I've already preached myself happy here. This is wonderful. I said, this is wonderful. But how do we make it from here to there? we got to get from here to there. And thank God the Lord hasn't left us orphans. He hasn't left us without. He gave us His Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit's work in us is the quickening of our mortal body. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, what will He do? He will quicken, quicken our mortal body. Well, see, that's the same Spirit that did what? Raised Jesus from the dead. Changed His body. That's the same spirit that at the resurrection is going to change our bodies. And the bodies of those that are going to the same spirit. And that same spirit that manifested that resurrection power in the tomb and that will at the trumpet is in you and I today. Right now here in this room. He's in us. He's in us. And he is available to do what? Quicken. Quicken. And this, 1 Corinthians says, and Ephesians says, is the earnest... And the first fruits of our physical inheritance. We don't have, we're not enjoying all of our physical redemption right now. The fullness of our physical redemption is immortality. We're not enjoying that right now. But we can enjoy, until we get that, we can enjoy the first fruits of it, the earnest, which is a, a relatively small portion of that same quickening that's going to happen come resurrection. If it was enough of it, it just changes. Make us, but it's not that much. But it's a quickening. And it's wonderful stuff. I said it's wonderful. It's why a lot of times people go, whoo, oh, glory. You may think they're just being silly, but I'm telling you, you, some things is better felt than felt. Um, you know, don't, don't knock it. I mean, there are, there are real situations where you are touched by the power of God. You are quickened. And I mean, you, you, you know it. You don't have to ask anybody. Did I just get quickened? You don't, you don't have to ask. You know, hey, hey, glory to God. And I think we could enjoy a lot more of this if we'd just tap into it. Ask for it. Believe for it. Expect it. I know uh, several years ago, I mean, this must have been 10 plus years ago, 
Uh, I had gone out of town for a, a meeting. And man, a lot of things had happened. And some things had gone wrong that I needed to take care of, natural things. And I wound up getting about three or four hours of sleep one day and about four hours of sleep the next day and then driving about 13 hours. How many know what that will do to you? And I mean, I was supposed to come in and, and, and uh, be a helper in a service at healing school that morning. And boy, for the last, you know, six hours, I'm hurting. I, I mean, what I'm talking about. I mean, I got the window down. I'm slapping myself. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm having visions of the bed. I know what I'm talking about. I'm having to pry my eyes. I'm, I'm hurting. Because I didn't get much sleep the last couple of days. And then on top of this, oh man. And finally I made it home. Thank God. I'm standing by the bed. And I pick up the phone and I call. And I said, maybe I just need to, to stay, get a little rest. Because I, I don't think I'd do you any good. And she said, well, something came up. So-and-so's not going to be able to be here. Actually, we need you to do this. And something in the afternoon here. And I found myself saying, okay. Alright. I'll clean up a little bit and I'll be ready. Right and... uh when I hung up, I thought, no, no, no. Now, you, you didn't say that. Man, you can't hardly stand up. What are you going to, and they, these people are here needing healing, and, and what are you going to do? Go in there and snore? What? They, they don't need somebody playing around. They, these people are been told they're going to die. They need some help, some serious help. And you need some serious help. The Lord brought this scripture to my remembrance. Quickening, quickening. Quickening. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If he dwells in you, he'll do what? He'll quicken you. So I just said, Lord, I, I need your help. Help me. Quicken me. Quicken me. So I managed to get ready. Still felt bad, you know. And I, I made it in. And I saw some of the guys at the back. And I just looked at them. I said, pray, guys. Pray. And <laughs> I went on up to the front. And I, I took my text. Felt like about 40 miles of muddy road. Anybody know what that's like? 40 miles. A muddy road, that's, that's bad, that's rough. It's long, it's hard. And uh, I took my text, I started, and I'm telling you, a quickening came. I said a quickening came. I didn't teach that day, I preached. Man, I flung my arms, I kicked my feet, I preached, I prayed for everything that didn't move on me. I, I laid hands on everybody, I cast things out, I was prophesied. I mean, we had service, we had instantaneous miracles. Man, I was wired. I felt wonderful. I mean, I've experienced little quickenings, but man, this was something. I mean, this was, I mean, he, he cranked it up this time. And I came, I came out after that service and I saw so many reception. I said, glory to God. I mean, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And they're thinking, whoa, boy, he's, he's happy. I went in this office. I sat down. I twirled around in my chair. And then about 30 minutes later, the quickening lifted. Now, oh God, I thought, thought I was going to pass out right there. But how many know that quickening is available to us? Especially when we need it. And especially with us, we're here doing the work of God. I mean, if it, you know, it's one thing to try to believe God to be quickened so you can watch the late show. <laughs> you might not get too far like that. But believing God to be quickened so you can do a good job at the ministry. So that you can do a good job in the things of God. We have every right. Every, even a responsibility. To claim that extra help. And it works by faith. I said it works by faith. You, you know the big thing you got to watch is your mouth. Oh I feel so bad. I feel so draggy. 
Of course, you know, the scripture said, let the weak say I'm weak. <laughs> huh? Because <laughs> that's the way it is, right? You know? I've had people say, well, now I'm just, I'm just real. I'm just real. If I don't feel good, I'm not going to say I do. Because I'm just real. Yeah, real carnal. <laughs> Faith will even call those things which be not. As though they were. Let the weak say what? Didn't say let the weak say I'm weak. Man, you got to watch it. I don't care who you are. You can say things you ought not say. Ah, well, you know, boy, I just, I don't, I don't feel so hot. Well, this is just not, you know, I got my, that's my weak eye. My weak eye. Well, that's that, that tennis elbow. Well, you know, that's that, oh, I turned that ankle when I was playing football. That's my weak ankle. You name it that, you decree it so. Be very difficult for you to get any strength in there. But you need to give things a new name. What? If it was your football injury, sprained, weak part, let's rename it. I said, let's rename it. Let's rename it my strong eye. Let's rename it my strong elbow. My healed knee. That's, well, that's, uh, catch yourself. You think, oh man, that's my, and then you go, my strong. You can get yourself right in the middle of it. My strong ankle. That's my strong ankle. Let the weak say what? Call the weak strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. When you come in feeling draggy, don't talk draggy. Now you think you wouldn't have to say that in a great ministry like this, but we are all human. We, you know, anybody can, can yield to wrong thinking and not even really, really realize what you're doing. A lot of things you grow up with and you've heard and little phrases, and little things you say that you don't think anything about, but it's hurting you. It's hindering you. It's hindering the Lord from quickening and from strengthening. We need to talk strength every day. In the morning, even when we feel tired at night and we lay down in bed, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, I'm strong. I sleep good. You know, we, we've heard confession. But I think, uh, you know, the last several years, I think a lot of people have let some things slip. You know, back, you remember back in the 70s when a lot of people got stirred up about confession? I mean, man, people put posted confession sheets on the refrigerator. They had confession sheets on the dash of the car. Confession, confession, confession. I mean, confession. And a lot of times people now, I don't know what it is, but I think maybe they feel like they have grown spiritually to the point where we really don't have to focus so much on confession. And their confession has gone to pot. And they're saying some things that, you know, 10, 20 years ago they wouldn't have dared say it. They had to rebuke somebody for saying that around them. Now it's coming out their mouth. We need to watch that. I know several years ago I was down in uh, Central America in a place. And I uh, was doing some meetings and a person told me, they said, there's a certain uh, uh, Raymond grad actually that uh, was here. And they very, very sick and they want to know if you'd come by and see him. I said, well, yeah. After a service we went by. And this person, bless the heart, I mean, they were... They were emaciated. They were, they had cancer of the stomach and cancer of some other parts of their body. And they just, they could not eat. And they, they just had lost all kind of weight. They're literally starving to death. And they, they just so pitiful, weak and poor. And, uh, I came and began to talk to them. And, and this is what they were saying to me. They, they said, well, Brother Keith, I just, I'm so weak. I just can't sit up or, or talk for very long and um, 
Now, a lot of those people, they just, when they hear something like that and see something like that, they immediately just think, well, you know, bless their heart. And we ought to be sympathetic and compassionate. But I guess all my years in healing school, red flags are going off to me. Red flags. Red, I'm thinking, no, 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 you don't talk like this. You don't talk like this. What's, what, was they, what were they saying? I'm weak. What were they saying? I can't eat. They, they were saying, I just, I can't stand the smell of food. I mean, it just nauseates me. I just can't. Well, no doubt that is what they're experiencing. And your heart goes out to them. But how are we going to change it? I said, how are we going to change it? How many remember James talks about like the bridle in the horse's mouth, like the rudder on the ship? How do you turn that horse around with that little bridle? Small compared to the horse. How do you turn that big ship around with that little rudder? Small compared to the ship. How do you turn your life around? Your tongue. He said you can control, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Uses the word body in that passage. Body. Is it true? You can control your body with your mouth? The Bible said so. So I began to say to him, I said, I, I quoted some scriptures to him. I said, I, I said, I know, I know, friend, you're hurting. I know you're in a bad way. I said, but we believe the word and we believe there's power in the word. And don't you remember the scripture said, let the weak say, I am strong. So I began to lead him. I, I said, say this with me. Let's just say it for a while. I'll sit by the bedside and, and I begin to lead him. I'd say, say this, you know, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And they'd say, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And they'd have to rest, you know, in between words. This is how weak they were. And I'd say, well, let's say it again, you know. Just take some time. They needed to rest, they'd rest. And uh, then we just said it more. I'm strong. I'm strong in the Lord. The Lord's my witness. In a 30 minute or less period of time, they are sitting straight up in bed, talking so loud you could hear them outside. I mean, just just that few minutes, in just a few minutes, they're sitting up going, I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. Strength had come into them. Uh, We're talking about accessing the quickening. One key way you do it is with your mouth. You don't talk weakness. You don't talk sickness. You talk strength. And I, I, I said to him further, I, I had to go. I said, now listen, careful. I said, look, you see the effects of this. Just a few minutes we were here. Don't talk weakness. I don't care how weak you feel. Don't talk it. Talk strength. And I said, from now on, do not say again, I have no appetite. I can't eat. Don't say when I eat, it comes right back up. Don't say it again. Say this. Say, I have a voracious appetite. And when I eat, it stays down. Now I said, now here's the tough part. I don't care if you eat something and you throw it right up. And you're standing there wiping your mouth. That's when you open your mouth and you say, when I eat, it stays down. You see where so many people lose the battle? Because they'd say, when I eat, it stays down. When I, and then they eat and uh, they throw it up. And then they go, I don't understand. I mean, I was saying it and I was saying it. Why isn't it working? Because you don't believe it. You don't believe it. No, that's when the acid test comes. When it looks like it ain't working. It looks like it ain't happening. You, you eat and you throw up and then you get up and you go, I don't care. This don't move me. Like I said, when I eat, it stays 
down. I said, you got that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, a few months later, I saw somebody that had seen them. And they said, didn't you go by and visit so-and-so? I said, yeah. They said, uh, just want you to know they have gained 15 pounds. I want you to know, man, they got a voracious appetite. <laughs> and they just been eating and doing good and getting stronger and moving around. Well, you know, we ought not be always correcting each other about our confession, but we ought to be open. You know, we ought to want to know if I'm saying something I ought not be saying. And sometimes other people will notice things you don't notice. Because you're around yourself all the time. You've heard it for years. You don't see anything wrong with it. But somebody else might think, man, what are you saying that for? And, uh, you know, we, we ought to have a desire that, man, our, our whole, our confession as a whole group, as a family, just rises up. One reason we, uh, we say these confessions beforehand, we want us all to be saying the same thing. We need to all be saying the same thing. That's, you know, a couple of times ago, whenever it was we began teaching about healing, I'd have you to say, we're one of the healthiest bunches anywhere. Right? Won't you just stand up, let's say it again today. Get it in our mouth. Get it in our hearts. Everybody said out loud, I'm strong in the Lord. And the power of His might. I'm strong in the Lord. And the power of His might. He is my strength. He is my salvation. He quickens me. He makes me full of life. I'm strong. I am strong. I am strong. Healing works in me. Strength works in me. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. I go from strength to strength. I go from strength to strength. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. He's the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. I'm healthy. I'm bright. I'm alert. I'm strong in the Lord. We are and will be extraordinarily healthy. Unusually healthy. Wonderfully healthy. That's us. And we're one of the richest, most wealthy group of employees anywhere. Now that last, that last portion was a little weak. I'll just tell you, it was a little weak. Doesn't help just to say it. You gotta believe it. I said, you gotta believe it was, it was like, you're going good. And I got to that and he's kind of just backed off. You said it, but it was like, huh, okay. <laughs> talk it, talk it. Let me encourage you, friend, encourage you, encourage myself, all of us. Let's watch our mouth. Let's stir, if we've slipped from time, if we used to be more conscientious, more diligent about our confession than we are now, there's no good reason for that. 
There's no, there's no justification for slipping and, and falling in that area. Let's stir ourselves up. Let's watch our mouth. There's certain things we ought to be saying on a continuous basis. Let, let's get it back in our mouth. Let's get back to some of the things that God brought us to when He delivered us to begin with. Amen? Yeah. And I'm telling you, we'll see results. We can turn things around. Yeah. I said we can turn it around. Yeah. We can turn it around. Say, it, say this last thing will be dismissed. With long life. With long life. With long life. <clears throat> he will satisfy me. And show me his salvation. Praise God. You're dismissed. See you next time. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.